Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the two, two of the Gospel versions of Jesus gathering his first followers, his disciples, if you will. And so today, we see John's take on things. Really three pretty simple words. Come and see. Three very simple words, yet very profound. These words first used by Jesus, then by others, to others. Words of invitation spoken to the inquirers and to the curious, to those who are on a quest for meaning and purpose. Three great words of invitation spoken even to doubters and to skeptics. Simply come and see. That's it. There we have it. Three words in which are contained all the answers we ever needed to our fears and our questions about an angry God, a vengeful God, a scary God, a God who is waiting to trip us up or for us to mess up. There's no threats, no finger wagging, no cajoling, no brochures, no ads, no guilt trips, no gimmicks, no shaming, no pressure to join up, to enlist in the Jesus Club, <laughs> the God Squad, as we used to call them in college. Simply, Come and see. So instead of running outreach campaigns and media blitzes, ads, flyers, classes, our God in Christ, and in turn all who would follow Him, they issue a gentle invitation, almost as if to say, Hey, if you have a minute, or say, if you've, you've got nothing else going on this afternoon. I mean, the Rams don't play till five. I mean, if you want to know what I've found helpful or meaningful or lovely, come and see. Now, that may be a simple invitation, but it's pregnant with possibilities. I mean, your world could change in a blink, depending on what you decide to do about such an invitation. Now, this project of gathering people, bringing together followers, seems simple enough. Jesus invites Andrew and his buddy. Andrew invites his brother. Jesus invites Philip, and Philip invites Nathaniel. Come and see. This good old traditional Middle Eastern hospitality for those folks who lived in the biblical narrative. But for those of us who live in a day and age in a culture of Evites and texts and Instagram, with constant input from marketing strategists and branding and outreach and growth strategies, it all 
seems a little bit personal, doesn't it? Those three words, I mean, hardly anybody invites anyone anywhere anymore. Years in, years ago in Minnesota, they had a multi-year marketing campaign for tourism. And they had a phrase they were using. <clears throat> As a newbie in the Midwest, <clears throat> I didn't quite get it. The phrase was this, Minnesota, nice. And I've been living there a few years, and I found the phrase kind of intriguing as a marketing strategy. And at lunch one afternoon, I was dining with a, a lifer who had grown up in the Midwest, a very famous author and a comedian. I asked him if he could define the phrase, Minnesota nice, for me. <laughs> he said, he kind of laughed, he said, oh, Rick, that's very simple. It means folks in Minnesota are happy to give you directions to anywhere except to their house. <clears throat> I mean, incumbent in those three little words, come and see, it's something personal. There's some amount of personal investment in that invitation. Because it's not about knocking on doors, it's not about handing someone a track or a flyer about your church. It's more than pointing them to a website or a YouTube channel. It's an invitation to someone that you care enough about or who you like enough or someone who's acquainted with you, who knows you, who likes you, who trusts you to actually join you. It's the invitation to someone to walk alongside of you, to sit by you, to see with you what it is you deem worthy of your time and your attention, your resources and your love. You're inviting them to see you a little bit. Where you head off to on Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings, or Wednesday nights or whenever. <clears throat> Church sociologists, they tell us still, and almost every survey reveals the same, that the number one reason people come and see a church, a community of faith, is because they were personally invited by someone they knew, someone they cared about, someone they respected or trusted, liked. It's not the only way they come to church, but it's the number one reason, far and away, why folks say they first came. To a church. <clears throat> you do know, don't you, that there are lots of folks out there this morning. They're unattached. They go nowhere on Sunday mornings. They have no community of faith for which they have an affinity. Folks who know nothing about real faith or an authentic faith or a faith that works in real life. They don't know about a loving God, let alone the Bible or anything in it. 
this very living Word of God to us, they don't, they don't get it. Now, many of them think they know. They know what they've seen on the hateful signs in front of abortion clinics. They think they got us figured out. We're in the days of Martin Luther King in front of black churches. The white hoods of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Those kind of scary movements which are now emerging again against our brothers and sisters who are Jewish or Palestinian or Muslim, even around our young people. People out there have seen or experienced the repulsive and divisive arguments that go on, the posture, the posturing and the moralizing around social issues who, by those who claim to be followers of Jesus. Many people, their only experience of the church has come to them on the TV screen. So what they know about the church are the religious hucksters of prosperity on our TV screens. Those who can heal on demand. Those ever smiling and victorious faces that seem detached and unconcerned with people who struggle. There are others out there who are sure they know what they would come and see if they came and saw. They've had their own experiences, their impressions of this church thing. They've got you church folks all figured out, down pat. Among them are folks who have come and seen and have said, no thanks, don't want that. That's the hardest one to repair. And still there are others out there, and I've met lots of them along the way. Researchers have talked to them and interviewed them who say they don't come close to any organized community of faith because no one they love or care about or respect has cared enough to invite them. They maybe said, you ought to go. Well, why don't you go? But no invitation. You see, come and see can be very profound. Still, I know some of you do invite others to join you. And miraculously, (laughs) some do come and see. And they stay. They say, yeah, I want to be part of a place like this. I want to belong. I want to get closer to other people, their lives, learn what I can. And this raises a question for me. What is it that you hope they would see if they come? Well, for me, here's my list. Glad you asked. I hope they're going to see Jesus here in this place and in me. I hope they're going to see people who obviously care about, who enjoy each other, who love getting together. Yet people who understand that life gets messy 
And it gets busy and crazy sometimes, as does following Jesus. I hope they would meet authentic people who are real. People doing their best to be the best people they can be. To live faithful, graceful, hopeful lives. Trying to make a difference in God's world. That they would see that your life and your church has a place with an empty chair. A space for them. Just for them. Hope that they would see a movement of God in the world that is incomplete without them being part of it. They would meet people here who have been expecting new folks to arrive. Not when a visitor comes through the door and say, Wow! Why are you here? Imagine that! Well, you know what I mean. I hope they'd see and experience in this place a beautiful, inspiring, welcoming campus that is well outfitted for ministry in the 21st century and in this culture today. I'm going to tell you a little story. I once was staying in a hotel in a large city, nice place. A couple of us were going to be the keynote speakers for the first, the opening event of a national youth gathering for the church. Large gathering of high school youth. There were going to be about 35,000 of them in the arena. So I got there a day ahead of the event to get comfortable. I was checking in. I rolled my bag onto the elevator to find my room. The door closes and taped to the elevator door, there was a small handwritten note. And it said, Party tonight. Room 2210. 8 p.m. All invited. Now, I couldn't imagine who would be nuts enough to throw that kind of a party or for what reason. Now, I was unpacking my bag and I was laughing about this mental picture <laughs> that created was created by that little sign hung on the elevator door. I had this image of those who might end up at that party. Like, wouldn't it be crazy? Sales reps, tired of being away from home. Maybe a couple business folks who were wanting some company. Maybe an old couple on vacation who were tired of all the tourist stuff. Maybe some teenagers who had escaped from their parents or their coaches or maybe even their pastor. (laughs) Curious about what would happen in room 2210. Maybe even might attract a pastor looking for a good story. So by the time I was heading back down to the lobby for a quick dinner with the other keynote speaker, I looked at the elevator door and the sign was gone. And in its place was a typewritten statement from the hotel staff explaining that the original note was a hoax. It was a practical joke. Which made sense, of course. But in a way, I thought, that's too bad. Now, the funniest thing was that at dinner, my colleague said, did you see the note? 
I said, yeah, it's gone. He said he was tantalized by the possibility of a party being thrown somewhere to which all were invited. Think about that. A party where it didn't matter much who we were when we walked in the door or what motivated us to come. A party we could come to out of boredom or curiosity or loneliness or just for a laugh or for human connection, a desire not to miss out on something or to come and see what was going on. We both got off the elevator on the 22nd floor on our way back to our room just to make sure we weren't missing anything. (laughs) You know, imagine a gathering of scattered people where it didn't matter nearly as much what got us in the doors as what would happen to us after we got there. Perhaps, if there is to be such a gathering, the neighborhood church will have to throw it. I hope that you're excited and happy enough about your own life and about this church that you might invite someone you know and you care about to come and see. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.